Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to Unfiltered, the podcast show where we call it as we see it. I am your host, Nikisha Prince-Haynes, and today my guest is his Honorable Senator Reginald R. Farley. But before we begin, let me tell you a little about Senator Farley. Is Honorable Senator Reginald Farley, JP, CPA, CMA, is a Barbadian chartered accountant, consultant, former cabinet minister, and diplomat, who immediately prior to his appointment as president of the Senate, was the High Commissioner of Barbados to Canada. Senator Farley holds the Chartered Professional Accountant designation from the Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada and a BSc in Economics and Management from the University of the West Indies. He is a member of the Institute of Chartered Accountants of Barbados and Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada, Nova Scotia chapter. Senator Farley started his career as a teacher at the Roebuck Secondary School before moving to the Barbados Industrial Development Corporation as a business development officer and then to the Barbados Chamber of Commerce as its executive director from 1992 to 1994. In 1994, Senator Farley became a minister of government and held the portfolios of industry, commerce, and business development from 1994 to 1999, industry and international business from 1999 to 2001, economic development from 2001 to 2003, education, youth affairs, and sports 2003 to 2006, and housing and lands from 2006 to 2008. In the Parliament of Barbados, he served as a government senator from 1994 to 1999 and later served as the Member of Parliament for Christchurch East from 1999 to 2008 with the Barbados Labour Party. He returned to the private sector after leaving government and became the Executive Director of the Institute of Chartered Accountants of Barbados from 2009 to 2008. In 2008, he was appointed High Commissioner of Barbados to Canada and was based in Ottawa until his return to Barbados in September 2020 to become President of the Senate. Senator Farley is a consultant whose areas of focus include regulatory compliance, governance, change management, strategic planning, and project management. Senator Farley is married and has two children and two grandchildren. Good afternoon, Senator Farley, and welcome to Unfiltered. How are you today? Good afternoon, Nikisha. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Great, great. So let's get started. How did you get started in your career as a senator? Well, um, being a member of the Senate, really, you can come through three routes. One, invitation by the Prime Minister to be uh, government senator, um, invitation by the leader of the opposition to be an opposition senator, or invitation by the governor general to be um, an independent senator. So yeah, they're all appointed. I was asked by the prime then minister on November after to um, join his cabinet as a minister and become the member of the senate. I was also the leader of the senate during that period, 1994 to 1999. He felt I had something to offer. Um, in terms of the government, and I was honored to be invited so to do. Nice. Also, in your bio, I read that 
you are a chartered accountant and for some reason I get excited when I hear persons are accountant because accounting was one of the fields that I had so much interest in that most of my certificates are in accounting. I wanted to become a professional accountant and I don't know, now I'm in mentoring and coaching admin i switch but i still love accounting but i hate maths i should say that but i love accounting so how did you get started in your career as a chartered accountant well, that's an interesting thing um actually it's one of those things that comes out of university that i was had an interest in doing but then i got i went into business development and investment and so on and i actually pursued my dream after politics so um I decided, as you, as you we have a saying here, probably there's one catching past you. And I decided to uh, pursue one of those dreams. <clears throat> it also helped too that um, after Conlinks, I became the executive director of the Institute of Charter Accountants for Barbados. So yeah. I was there um, working as the, as the first executive director that they had to lift the organization wow. to another level, representing all of these chartered accountants. And, I remember when I went there to start work. So I went to this office before because it did go back in 1990, um, 1987, 89, thereabouts. I actually went to collect a form to pursue uh, ACC at the time, then I didn't bother. And in the second incarnation, I decided, well, as I'm here, let me pursue. And I've always been attracted to management accounting, which is that branch of accounting that uses strategy management and accounting to solve real world problems. And we um, pursued what was then called the Certified Management Accounting designation. Um, at, at that time, there were three um, designations in Canada, the CMA and the CGA and the CAA. They've all merged together to become the Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. So we use a double designation, CPA is the first part of the designation. Then the second three letters, the second letters show what your legacy institute is. So I'm CPA, CMA, uh, being a former member of the CMAs, and others will be CPA, CGA, and others will be CPA, C, um, CA. <laughs> so that's the background there. But interesting stuff. Love it, love it. So how, I mean, like, you also served as the High Commissioner to Canada. How was that role? How all of it merging? having a background in accounting how did all of that tied into being the high commissioner of Barbados to Canada well that was a very exciting um, time for me on several levels first of all on the personal level always loved Canada and I had a sister-in-law who lived there for 40 years an aunt who lived there for about 60 um, years a cousin who was there um, for about over 40 years and so I, I had people there and also um, in my time um, in the private sector and in government I travel all over Canada promoting investment into Barbados um, with the IDC um, as well as the Minister of Industry and, and International Business. So when I was asked by the Prime Minister to be Barbados's um, ambassador to Canada which is what you could use the term High Commissioner within the Commonwealth between Commonwealth countries, we're high commissioners, but we're already the ambassador. Um, so some people think that one is higher or different from the other. Um, the, the high commissioner is the ambassador in Commonwealth, between Commonwealth countries. But um, it was largely due to my background 
in those areas of business. And we wanted to focus on lots of um, trade issues. Canada is the largest source of foreign investment into Barbados. It is the third highest, um, second or third highest um, destination for tourism. We have a sizable diaspora in Canada, and we have an ever-growing number of students who go to, who go to Canada to study. So it was an important opportunity for me to serve at another level. And certainly my background in the private sector, but my background experience in government um, um, was an interesting backdrop against that they could offer um, the company representation of representing Barbadian interests in Canada through trade and investment, as well as representing the diaspora interests um, in Canada and, in, and fostering closer relations between our respective countries. And Canada is within the OECD group of countries, one of our closest allies has done, um, has contributed in, in a very substantial way to the development um, across the Caribbean and, and Barbados in particular. Wow. No wonder it was such a hard decision for the Prime Minister to make to appoint you <laughs> as Senator of Parliament because, I mean, you have like all of these experiences and not only the experiences, but you also qualified in the different areas as well to serve as the President of the Senate. So now my question, Senator Farley, we all face challenges in life. How did you overcome your challenges? Because I know there must have been challenges being a high commissioner, being a senator, as a chartered accountant, moving around in a foreign country as much as you had family there. I mean, you still at some point in time was on your own because the decisions you had to make, you couldn't make it with your family. You had to make them on your own or with the government of Barbados. So how did you overcome all of those challenges whilst being in a foreign country? But my perspective on life really is that if you take challenges as a given, um, whether they be personal, professional, uh, whether they be changing with changing times, you, you really do have to wake up every day knowing that you will face some challenge. And what you really need to do is to make up your mind, first of all, not to shy away from them. Um, um, there's a saying that goes, cowards die a thousand deaths. Um, because they, 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 they kill themselves with fear before the battle even begins. And <laughs> so you really do not, you approach life from, from a perspective of optimism as well as realism. So you, you hope for the best, but you plan for the worst. And the um, wow. reality is that you have to recognize the vicissitudes of time, the vagaries of life. You will have good moments, bad moments. And in, in, in a given day, there's, there's night and day. Um, and once you recognize that, you take them all in stride, you capitalize on the good things that happen, and you minimize the bad things that happen. But for sure, over many, many years in management and leadership, you recognize that there's lonely at the top. At the end of the day, you do have to take both the honor of office as well as the responsibility of office when things go well. Even if you're not the person who did the deal directly, if it's part one, member of your team and did something wrong, something goes wrong, it's just, it's just part of the course, really. Um, but my, I think what has helped me, um, two things. One, a positive outlook, but also for every task that I've undertaken, I've sought either to make sure I brought the skills beforehand or that I further equipped myself with the skills that are necessary. Because you can't you can't fudge your way through life. 
you you have to be actually able to deliver. Um, I, 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 the one thing I say, my friends will tell you that I always say this: that a man is only as good as the last good thing he did not do. So it is one of those things where you have to be continuously improving. You can have a good track record, a good good stuff to look back on, but it is: can you succeed at this next task, at this current task, and can you? Keep changing with the times, keep improving yourself, make sure that whatever assignment you're given, you're able to succeed in it. And that has been the approach I've taken to these many and various um, tasks that I've been taking throughout my life. Excellent advice. I love it. So, Senator, what's one thing you wish you had known before you began your career as a senator? <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, well. Um, I I think that the uh, the I, I guess the the the, the way of I mean, you you have always been interested in going into politics, and I prepared myself um, for it. I I got called into it like 15 years ahead of when I had planned to go into it. Um, but it is really trying to balance a number of competing interests. And what I, what I did not know going in was the extent to which the, the people that you have the honor to lead um, look up to you and hope for you to do well, but also expect you to deliver. And therefore, um, challenges weren't so much being a senator, but being a member of parliament. As a member of parliament, you're representing the constituents of a given area. You also have national um, responsibilities, but at the end of the day, you must never forget that it is the people that elected you, and that you are there to advance their interests and the interests of the communities in which they live. And sometimes there are conflicts between the national um, tasks you have to perform, the representative tasks, the duties you have to perform. But it was the, the, the magnitude of those duties that, that I would say was um, was the thing that they. they didn't know enough about. But that said, um, I enjoyed my time as a member of Parliament, and in fact, I'm proud to say that I'm still very much a member of the community. For the now, true, true. <laughs> for the now 13 years that I have not been a member of Parliament for <laughs> Church East, um, I continue to be very much present in the community. I continue to go, I continue to join them in their moments of celebration at their wedding. Right. I continue to share their moments of sorrow at their funerals. And I, I, it's so pleasing to see some of the infrastructure you put in place, facing the sea, some kids who were in primary school when you um, were, were, were there are now big men and women with their families. You know, I really am proud to say that um, one of the pleasant experiences there was building of lifelong friendships and, and connections. And I will continue um, ready to be a member of, of that community and continue to assist them as a, as a private citizen in whatever way um, I can. That brings me to my other question. What is one of your most memorable or exciting moments to date? Uh, uh, there's so many of them. You're pinning me down for one. Oh, goodness, I've lived a good life. My future memorable moment was, was I, I would say two. Um, one was being appointed to the government in 1994. It was a new government, exciting um, times, and it was a young man of 13 years old and embarking on my political journey. 
Um, and the second one was being elected member of parliament for Christchurch East in 1999. Um, because you know, it is time to be called by a prime minister who says, I think you have the skills that I want you to be my government. It is another thing to go to the people, um, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand depending on the size of the constituency, and say to them, I want to represent you. And to go into a contest and for them to say, I want you to represent me. And it was an honor to, to walk a sense of, of parliament and to make the contribution as a member of parliament and to you know, be in the chamber where Ratley Adams and Tom Adams and Eric Barrow and you know, the heroes of old sat and made laws to improve uh, Barbados and have had that opportunity to, to do so. And one of the things I do, not very often, but on the other occasion, I do some research. I actually come across some speeches recorded in Hansard, um, and it occurs to me that I'm blessed that I'm among those um, those fortunate set of Barbadians that have had their words in, uh, immortalized by being recorded in Hansard, so that hundreds of years from now, uh, researchers can look back to see what were your views on a given matter, the issue that you articulated. What was the legislation you brought there? Um, so it's really a very humbling but exciting life. Uh, um, I've had the opportunity to serve uh, the people of Barbados in the community of, of, of Strauss. Lovely, lovely. So, Senator Farley, I know this might seem like a difficult question, but it's a question I think I should ask. How do you balance your work life and your personal life? holding all of these portfolios? <laughs> well, I, I, my, my approach is very simple. I lit my candle at both ends, and where necessary, I lit a piece in the middle in order to get enough light to see all these things that they had to do. Um, <laughs> I, I sometimes am surprised that I'd be able to live this long very frankly, because um, between the work and the play and the family life, there was a lot of energy expended, but it was really because you know, a wise old man once said to me, he said, son, if you're doing the work that you enjoy, you never go to work a day in your life. So even though the things they had to do were tough, were demanding, it was what they chose to do. I, I, it wasn't an, an accident. I wasn't going to work disgruntled every day. And, and you know, I, I was happy to go about my task. So um, yes, it calls for lots of energy, but when I went into politics, for example, my, my children were still very young. They were in my primary school. One was two years, three years, and the other was not entering. When I left, um, one was heading off to law school and the other was entering university. So it shows that throughout their entire childhood, really, I was very in public life. And, you know, you, you can't do these things alone. And I must say that the family has been very supportive. Um, like my wife, for example, has been stabilizing practice in the household. Um, she's a teacher, great one like that, mathematics, and uh, she's the brains in the house as well. And that she, because of her schedule, matched that of the children. She was able to make sure that all was well with them, even where it was out in the constituency, traveling around somewhere in the world, the meetings, attending to, to, to keeping some. Um, some unusual hours and, and so on. Um, but they, they all did well. Um, I was able to balance. I still had time during that time to learn how to salsa dance. I do a mean Cuban spell 
um, um, I am the mayor in my household, and that was my contribution to the, the household. And please say, both my son and daughter are excellent cooks um, as well. Um, we have to go to go to church with them. Um, so we, and we, 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 we did we did our picnics and drives around the country and. So it really was a matter of having the energy. I was always involved in the gym, some form of place to allow me to, to better um, keep the pace up. But the bottom line really was that because I was doing what I enjoyed doing and what I always wanted to do, it did not feel like it was worth, even though it was challenging, um, I was satisfied that this was my cause, this was my calling. And um, what also kept me going was the strong support of my uh, team in Christchurch Chief back in those days, and also the fact that the government was able to support a number of projects, a number of initiatives in the constituency, so that um, I'm able to look back and see the um, progress that I've been able to engender during my time there and the service provided, and on the national level, quite a number of projects in which I've been involved in. Whoa, Senator Curry, who or what would you say motivates you? <laughs> well, um, I learned many years ago that we all have um, some key responsibilities. Okay, you have duty to God, duty to your neighbor, duty to yourself. Um, in terms of God, it's that spirit, developing that spiritual plastic of yourself recognizing that there is a higher power um, than yourself and to, as far as you know, possible, a good person following the rules of, of, of terms um, and following his word and I'm, 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 I'm by no means I'm a perfect man, I'm a, I'm a flawed sinner seeking redemption. <laughs> but I'm blind yeah. it. <laughs> we, we all are, you know. Um, yeah. as, a, as a priest friend of mine, as a priest friend of mine said, the church is not a hotel for saints. It is rather a hospital for sinners. That's why we come there every Sunday for treatment. <laughs> but but, but it's, it's recognizing that, that spiritual dimension that you are more than the physical body and so on. The other thing with your neighbor is the neighbor in the sense of the New Testament sense. Remember the parable where um, their, so when Jesus was their neighbor, they were staring at all the people you come into contact with. It's not just the person next door or your friend. So if we all take this position that we need to help one another, we need to contribute to the good of humanity in general, but also to help the people that become across, to do good for people. If you do good, good will attend you. But it's not that you do good for John, for John to do something to you. You do good for strangers. Some stranger half here in the world may very well attend to you. So it's having that. Um, it's more blessed to give than to receive perspective as far yeah. as the, the duties to your neighbor. And the duties to yourself, we're taught really that we need to preserve our physical and mental powers and to develop them, sharpen them. We need to use whatever skills we have to build on them. Remember the story of the talents? You don't take, because you only got one, you put it one aside and says, Skipper, when did you come back and give you this one talent that you gave me? And the guy with the two and five is building on his whatever talents you have. Is it. Um, time, talent, or treasure. You build on it, you, you, you make yourself better, make yourself better, able to serve God and serve your fellow man. So, those really are the things that, um, that, that guide me in, in all my dimensions. 
and um, a, a whole steady tool. The fact that you really need to um, use all the skills that you have, make yourself better, but do it that you're able to do more to further the interests of your family, your community, of your country, as well as to serve the, the maker before whom you would not be here or before whom you would not have survived some of the things that you survived over the years. Love it. That brings me to my final question. What advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours, whether it as whether it is as an, a chartered accountant, senator, high commissioner, you want to get into politics, what advice would you give to someone? Well, I would say that you, first of all, you have to know yourself. Everything is not for everyone. I remember... Um, and there she read from primary school, Jack Pat. Jack Pat could eat no fat, his wife could eat no lean. But <laughs> between them both, you see they ate the path of clean. That is about diversity, about different tastes, different interests, but they were both satisfied. And so in trying to choose a career, choose a direction, you have to know yourself. What really turns you on? Um, and what gives you satisfaction? Because a, a job, a career, must not only be about putting food on the table, that's important. But you need to feel it. You need to be happy. So if you know that by personality, you are not the most cheerful person. You always see the glass as half empty rather than half full. You don't really let a lot of people around you. Don't take a job in marketing or business development or customer service. There are also you, you go into collections. Recovery. You know, chairs have to be little because that personality may very well help you a slight meaning. And if that you were to say that, you really need to get to know what stimulates you. Um, and then you will have to make the effort to pursue and to gain the tools and skills that are needed in those roles. Because um, there are many poems and songs about you know um, how people travel through the night to get where they're going and so on and so on. So you just can't dream it. You actually have to put in the sacrifice. Um, Brian Laro. Um, Maradona, take all the great sportsmen, great entertainers. We see them performing, but we don't see the practice that they put in. We don't see the other the, the three point shooters in basketball. Me, those guys are making those shots hundreds and thousands a day to perform it on game. It becomes second nature. So we need to develop that, that muscle memory um, in our in relation to our careers, where we, we develop the skills, we practice at it, and make ourselves better. The reality though is this, that we also have to be prepared for change. And the, the world today is not the world when I was growing up. The world when I was growing up is not what my father or grandfather grew up in. And we have to be prepared through our lifetime and our, and our career to not pursue one job or one career, but probably three, four, five. Um, assume that the world will go through a major change every decade or two. And, um, uh, if you think about before your time and my time, before there was a Barbados Deepwater Harbor, there were men who made their career on small boats going out into Carlisle Bay to bring in cargo. Then we got the harbor that changed. And, you know, that's just a, 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 an example. Another example that we'll find when the world moves from um, the cars, which you use gasoline and diesel, to electric cars. You're going to find a shift in the types of jobs and skills and so on. And we can go through this in a, a range of, of examples. But bottom line is that 
we have to be prepared to recognize that change is the only constant that there is and that we need to reevaluate ourselves, reevaluate our options and find the best fit between what turns us on, what we feel good about personally and professionally and what opportunities there are to make a living. As I said earlier, you enjoy what you're doing, you never feel as if you're going to work a day in your life. So that would be my advice really to um, upcoming persons who are thinking about their careers and their lives and, and, and so on. Be prepared to change, build the skills that are necessary and keep improving yourself, keep, remain competitive. That will be my final word to younger folks come back. Excellent advice as always. Thank you very much, Senator Farley. It was indeed a pleasure having you on my show today. I wish you nothing but success in all your future endeavors. So there you have it, listeners. The one and only Honorable Senator Reginald Farley. Don't forget to join us next Wednesday for another episode of Unfiltered. Be true to who you are always and stay motivated.